Welcome to the Transform Your Teaching Podcast. The Transform Your Teaching Podcast is a service of the Center for Teaching and Learning at Cedarville University in Cedarville, Ohio. We seek to inspire higher education faculty to adopt innovative teaching and learning practices. Thanks for joining our conversation. Welcome to Transform Your Teaching. My name is Jared Piles. You are about to hear part one of an interview that Rob and I had with two Tiffin faculty members, Dr. Meadows and Dr. Clark. The interview was so good that we couldn't fit it all into one episode. So enjoy part one. We are continuing our series on generative AI applied. Yes. And we have some great guests with us to help us talk about how they have uh, integrated gener- generative AI into their campus. They're from Tiffin University, which is kind of far north of us. Ish. Still in the state of Ohio, almost Michigan, which, you know, if you're an Ohio State alum like I am, you have to swallow that and be okay with it. Um, but other from that, uh, they're great people. They are. They are. <laughs> They are so, good peoples. It's Dr. Dan Clark and Dr. Michelle Meadows from Tiffin University. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So give us uh, a little bit of who you are and what your role is at Tiffin, and uh, we'll go from there. Michelle says I have to go first. <laughs> uh, so I'm Dan. I am currently the Dean of the School of Education and Extended Learning here at TU. Uh, as part of that uh, school, uh, that school encompasses both our uh, educational uh, academic uh, portfolio as well as all of our online uh, support and services uh, fall in the school. Great. And I'm Michelle Meadows. I serve as our chair for our education programs, undergrad on campus and grad online and faculty for education as a professor as well. Well, we're glad to have you both here with us today, and um, thank you for taking the time. One thing that we'd like to know, and I think our listeners would like to know as well, is uh, what kind of philosophy, as we talk about applied AI, what kind of philosophy has Tiffin, and specifically, you know, your your department or your school uh, taken in terms of how you're going to deal with it? Well, to answer uh, uh, briefly, I mean, and directly, I think we've taken a, a fairly innovative approach. And uh, frankly, we've just decided to embrace it rather than police it. Um, Our provost uh, gave us a directive uh, last summer, uh, last spring, actually, uh, that, you know, really as a professional institution, that we have an obligation to support the ethical and effective use of AI. And the reason we do is because we're sending our students out into their professions and AI has become uh, you know, absolutely integral to the way many professions are working. So we have to help students, help guide students for the ethical and effective use of AI uh, as part of their curriculum. Dr. Meadows, anything to add to what Dr. Clark has said? No, I think he summed it up um, really well here at the university. We are embracing it with our course builds. We're embracing it as a professor in our classrooms and using it Um ourselves, our students are using it. And so that's what we'll kind of talk about today is all the different ways that we're incorporating it campus-wide. So let's start with uh, the students then. What has Tiffin done to prepare them to responsibly use generative AI? 
Well, we've done a lot and we've done a lot in a short time. And one of the challenges that I'm sure all of your listeners are facing is is the speed with which this thing is evolving, right? We used to have the comfort of Moore's Law, where at least we had six months before we had to reinvent the wheel. Well, that seems like it's becoming more like more like six days. Um, over the summer, um, we we very quickly uh, integrated some some initial uh, initial implementations into our online shells. Uh, we have online shells certainly for our online courses, but we also have companion shells for our seated courses. And as part of every shell uh, that the students saw uh, this fall, uh, they were greeted right away uh, with a kind of this big purple box called Artificial Intelligence in You, and it basically summed up what our direction was uh, that we built, uh, built, believed that AI was uh, were 21st century skills that, you, that they needed to succeed in the global workplace and that we thought that they should be able to understand the ethical use values and limitations of Gates. And that um, at the end of that statement, that that dialogue box uh, was a link to a student, student toolkit that again was uh, created in very short order. And it was just meant to give uh, just sort of some background, uh, some of the terminology, some of the initial sort of tips and tricks uh, for students as they as they started to wrap their heads around AI. Uh, the other thing we did, again, very aggressively is we are in the process, we're in the continuing process of revamping the general education. And what we did was we took uh, what used to be the general education sort of computer science IT kind of course, the one with you know Word and Excel, PowerPoint, and we completely rewrote it and revamped it uh, into uh, DLT 101, uh, which was all about um, embracing AI and embedding AI into all those, uh, into all the uh, all the assignments uh, throughout the course. And I had the opportunity uh, because we had developed it so fast, and, and Michelle did as well. We each uh, took uh, sections, several sections of that course. So uh, it was it was a fairly high stakes course and, and fairly new for the students. Uh, but we really put some of our um, uh, some of our best instructors and some of our more flexible instructors, uh, senior level instructors, teaching these courses. So you mentioned uh, an AI toolkit, and you talked about uh, student toolkit. I mean, an AI and you. I have a kind of a follow up there, and it may lead into the next question as well. Um, I want to know how students have responded, and but I I want you to first, you know, you mentioned you know everyone had to kind of rush to get this stuff out there. What are some changes or revisions that you would make in an iterative fashion? Like if you were to do a 2.0 of this, what is it you would say, you know, maybe we pushed a little hard here, we didn't have to, or maybe there's things that we lacked that you may want to revisit and add into? Well, one of the things uh, that we're seeing that certainly everybody is seeing is um, the speed, right? The speed of the evolution of this thing. And even some of the things we could tell students um, uh, that they could lean on, uh, the the hallucinating kind of a things, right? You know, uh, even though we can still use those as teaching tools, the, the hallucinations are, are not as much an issue with, with AI even six months later, right? AI continues to get refined and get better. Uh, the uh, the deal with the, the cutoff date, right? Was it, it was somewhere in 2021 where the AI database ended. Uh, that date has moved. So some of the things we explored with the students as sort of safeguards and sort of concepts that they needed to understand are, are, are continuing to evolve right out from under us. Michelle, do you have any to add? 
I would just say one thing if we were to do this over again um, would be to tr do better training or more elaborative training with the with the speed, with the trying to implement this so quickly. Um, we shared, you know, these are design statements. We're going to have our students do them. Um, I even taught the class, had the students do design statements, but I wish that it would have been discussed a little bit more as to, you know, the purpose, the um, reasoning behind it. And then I could have explain that to my students in more detail as to why we're having you do this and and the um, importance of doing this and then modeling some very thorough design statements and and then that way they could understand that they're really communicating their thought process and how they're thinking through and how they're step-by-step um, -step completing assignments with me and then I can use that as feedback and give them feedback and um, maybe model or recreate a lesson that can show them how to do things um, better, you know, or use the tools more efficiently or appropriately if that's not what they're um, sharing with me. So I think that the training behind it, the, you know, really emphasizing the meaning and why we're doing this so that professors could share that with their students more. Dr. Meadows, I want to follow up with you. Use the term design statement. Um, our listeners don't know what that is, so would you take a little bit of time and give us the background on what you mean by design statements and maybe just a quick overview of, of what you expected students to do and now maybe uh, bring that back around to what you think you would have students do now? Yeah, so um, as Dr. Clark mentioned, we quickly added in some band-aids to our courses. One of them was having oral or typed and, of course, reflections so that students could summarize their thinking at the end of the class. But the other one was in our on-campus courses and in our online courses within written assignments or presentations that students were doing, we asked them to add a short design statement, which was basically a um, look, a peek into their brains, uh, their metacognitive processes as to how are they completing these assignments? What did they do? What resources did they use? How did they use those resources? And so um, their instructor could then read through those and see how their students were completing the assignments. Um, we were asking that if they used AI, they were sharing that through this design statement to say, this is how they used the tool. And then again, the instructor could come back and, and help the student figure out a, a better way to use it or um, praise them for using it appropriately. So those design statements were used in both um, undergrad, grad, on campus, online. And um, the whole purpose was created by the COEL department or the design center for the university. And it was all based upon a study that we kind of did in the spring of last year, which was how I met Jared here, um, that we presented about where we pretended that we were students in online courses and we used ChatGPT to, to complete every single assignment. And five of us that were AI students um, all almost passed the course. Three passed with an A and two were actually identified. One, because the instructor was using an AI tool to check uh, creation with, um, with Turnitin with plagiarism. And the second one was because their work was higher quality than the others. So um, at that point, we realized that students are using this. They could use it very easily to complete all of their assignments. So we can't police it. Like Dr. Clark said, we needed to embrace that. And so we needed to teach them how to use it properly and then how to share that they, you know, how they're using it with their instructors so that, that there's some clarity and 
there's no secrets there. Dr. Clark, you want to add to that design statement yep. more? Anything I missed? Yep. Nope. Absolutely. That was by far the coolest presentation I ever went to at that uh, conference, by the way. The what? place was packed with people. It wow. was awesome. Wow. It was really, really good. So props to you and Tiffin for sure. And what would you do differently now? <laughs> well, I would, I would slow down uh, time. Uh, right. I mean, I mean that, that's the reality. I mean, I, I am absolutely gobsmacked by what, um, what our guys got done and how fast they got it done. I mean, and, and a super team, uh, here for, in the center for online and extended learning, which is part of the, uh, or it's just part of the school of education and extended learning. Uh, and they just jumped into this, uh, with both feet. And, um, again, these, maybe not groundbreaking, but pretty uh, ambitious uh, studies uh, that we jumped right into. Uh, we really, uh, you know, attacked the problem um, head on. Uh, we, we laughed a little bit because I had, we had one uh, staff member who's no longer with the university uh, who was like really our AI guy. He was a really the, the AI evangelist and he was the student that got caught in the original <laughs> uh, research because his product was just too good, right? He was enrolled in a 100 level course and he was using AI um, and, and, and the product was glaringly, uh, it was just, it was just too polished. Uh, and, and that's one of the ones that the faculty, um, it's one of the ones that the faculty were able to identify, but real kudos to the team We're we're small, but mighty. And these guys have really, uh, dived right into this, uh, to take this head on and, and we're making some pretty good headway, pretty proud of where we are. Let, let me narrow down a bit. Let's, let's talk about the design statements. And as far as how have the students responded and how have faculty responded to those design statements? So one of the things I, I can talk about faculty, um, you know, they, our faculty, we've not had a whole lot of reticence in the faculty. The faculty realize, uh, you know, have really embraced this with the guidance of the provost and kind of the directive of the provost. We really haven't had any, any laggards or, or, uh, or anybody who's, who's opposed, uh, you know, this, our faculty understand this as kind of a future direction for us. So, so they're kind of on board and that's a huge step for us. Uh, one of the things, you know, your last question was what would we do different? And Michelle mentioned it as well. We didn't have time to train anybody. Mm. It's like, we're, we're, we're out there, you know, we're out there on the bleeding edge and here we go, ready, fire, aim. Um, so now we've got a chance to, to come back and, and work on some of this training. Uh, you know, how can we support the faculty in this use students? We were surprised. Um, that they were really, uh, even though, as, as Michelle mentioned, we basically added a paragraph of content or a paragraph worth of assignment to the end of every writing assignment, um, you know, students were um, students were on board with it as well. They, uh, you know, we didn't get any pushback about, you know, this is extra work or whatever else. Um, but as it, it's not very surprising, the students don't know how to do it, right? That we've, we've not given the students any training about how to write an effective uh, um a design statement. Uh, we haven't really given the students any training to enter into this sort of metacognitive process, which is what we really want to get to with these design statements. And oh, by the way, we haven't given the faculty any training hmm. um, to how to then assess, right? We're now we're assessing process rather than or product by way of process kind of thing. So, so we've got all of these great initiatives out there. We've got to backfill with some training and support. And, and one other thing I'll say um, in terms of the students that we knew was going to be a little bit of a, a, a road to hoe, kind of a long, a long tail implementation is this concept of trust. 
we certainly saw of the ones that we examined, again, it was another uh, another a research project that another one of our staff did, another one of our team did. Um, we saw obviously written uh, design statements that were obviously written by AI that claimed the student didn't use AI, right? So this whole <laughs> thing about, hey, if you use AI, don't worry about it, put it down because we want to know that you're using it in the right way. We've got to build that trust. And, you know, one semester in, you know, we're one semester towards building that trust. Yeah, one thing I think I can add to that, because we all taught that section of the freshman digital learning and technology readiness class, I had a lot of students that expressed to me like feelings of relief. They're like, oh, we've been using this, but it's been a secret. And, Uh you know, we can't tell anybody that I've been using ChatGPT to help me with all of my assignments when I was in high school. But this is super cool that you guys are allowing us to use this. And um, teaching them different ways that they can use it, not just to, you know, write this paper for me, but you can use ChatGPT to be a tutor. You can use it as like a study buddy. You can use it to help you review. You can use it to help you brainstorm. You know, we kind of went through in that class all of these different ways that they could use it and their minds were just blown. You know, this is so cool. I did not even know that they, you know, it had this capability. So, I think those feelings of relief, but like Dr. Clark said, a lot of them didn't really understand the design statements. And so I would get um, responses like, oh, I use ChatGPT, but how? You know, what what prompt did you use? And so the elaboration, the details that was missing, and a lot of it, I think, comes from myself not explaining as thoroughly as I should have and um, providing more examples. And so teaching that again, I would make sure to do that. You know, the design statement on our website, it asks students to explain the process and the tools they use to develop their work. And their statement should be about a paragraph or so. We have some examples there, but maybe those examples could be even more detailed and elaborated because even some of those examples are are shorter in nature as well. Are you guys just asking them to identify using generative AI or are you having them do like EndNote, Microsoft Word, or like spell check or whatever, are you hitting those things as well? Right. So the analog is the the idea of of showing your work in math, right? So it is tell us about your process. And yes, that process in- includes use of Grammarly. That process includes where where did you search? How did you search? Where did you get the initial information? Um, all the way through. Um, you know, how did you how did you polish up your document? You know, did you did you run it through Grammarly at the end, or maybe a, a, a ChatGPT or Claude or one of the other generative tools? Um, so it's really uh, stem to stern. It's the entire process, and we think if we can get a clear picture of students' process and the way they think about process, that's where we can make some some headway uh, as instructors to get them to refine that process to to again more effectively and efficiently use and ethically use the tools available. There are a couple of things that I wanted to circle back on um, with either one of you. Uh, one one thing, I can't remember if Dr. Meadows, you said it, or Dr. Clark, I believe it was Dr. Meadows when you said that you had them doing this, either typing up this report or orally giving it. Could you just speak to that for a quick second, and then I've got to follow up to that. Right away, when we were trying to come up with a way to help figure out how students were using AI. We use what we called band-aids in our online courses. And it was really like a one question quiz at the end of their seven week online class that asked them to 
uh, summarize their thinking. And it was a timed, I forget how many minutes, 15 minutes or 10 minutes they had to write something and then turn it in, or they could do a verbal, oral explanation of their thinking as a reflective process. And that was before we added the official design statement. What we're trying to do there, okay, and, and, and again, this is this is a little bit kind of forward thinking as well. If someone turns in something that was that was uh, that a, 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 a generative tool helped them write, okay, we're saying, okay, that's that's fine that you're using these tools effectively. Um, but at the end of the day, you should have some some content knowledge, right? I mean, we are all about content knowledge in higher ed. So fine, you use the tools to write the paper. And maybe the paper can write, maybe the paper helps you write uh, more clearly and concisely than, than you would have uh, previously, especially if you're using it. Um, the tool helps you write that way, specifically if you're using it effectively. Uh, but the analog is the simple question, well, okay, great, that the paper's great. Well, what does that mean? What do you mean by that? What does all of it mean, right? You know, so great. You've, you turned in five, you, you turned, turned in five pages of, of sort of academic, academically written paper, um, but you want to be able to, and, and, and in a class, you would do that to a student, right? If a student stands up in front of a class and gives a presentation, mm-hmm. um, I've had students in other classes that uh, stand up and they're given a PowerPoint presentation and you can tell it, slide six was absolutely AI generated, right? Mm-hmm. The tone changes, everything changes. I mean, there's not, the, the, you know, and all you have to do as an instructor say, okay, well, that's great. Well, what does that mean? Okay. And we were trying to replicate that um, uh, uh, in, in, in efficiently, uh, you know, and effectively as we could. And, but that's, that's kind of the metaphor. It's, mm-hmm. it's a chance, uh, okay, you've been through this course. Our online courses are seven weeks long. What did it all mean? What were the big picture, you know, what were the big picture ideas? What did you learn? So then I guess then my question is for my dear faculty out there, and I think this would affect K-12 as well as higher ed. What is the faculty workload look like now for you? If your faculty are having to go and look at these, are they just end of course reflections that students have, or are they after every major assessment that they have? How do you how do you manage that? No, right now it's it's an end of course assessment, and uh, between you, me, and all of your listeners, uh, we really didn't even do it. Uh, the, it. The faculty really didn't go in and assess it at all. Um, we kind of used it as the, um, in some ways, it was kind of like the specter, right? It's like, okay, the student, you know that you're going to have to, at the end of the course, you're going to have to stand up and give an oral exam. Um, hopefully, you know, that's that's a motivation. Um, but we haven't gotten to the point, just like we haven't gotten to the point of helping faculty uh, assess and give appropriate feedback for design statements, um, faculty really... Um, the, the, this this added um, uh, activity was zero points. Um, we were just using it um, again. It was it was our first uh, initial attempt to try and get to this idea of what does it all mean. That's very helpful. So, did your students buy into it? Do they do it if they knew it was low stakes and it it wasn't uh, zero points? You know, being facetious here. So we told the students that they would not pass the class if they didn't do it. That might have been a little bit of an exaggeration, like a lot of an exaggeration, but it worked. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, that's, that's like a whole nother conversation we need to have about the ethics of teaching, right? <laughs> you tell your students, tell the truth in all things. <laughs> yeah. Be honest. Be honest now. 
Um, yeah, that's uh, but well, I get what you were. I get what you're aiming at for sure. Yeah. To be fair, we said that they may not pass. <laughs> yeah. The there you go. They didn't do it. Did you bold it and <laughs> italicize it too? <laughs> that was part one of our interview with Dr. Meadows and Dr. Clark. Be sure to tune in next week for part two, where we focus more on the faculty side and how they've adapted to using generative AI and some ideas on how to put it into your own practice of teaching. That's going to do it for us on this episode. Be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, as well as subscribe to our blog, cedarville.edu forward slash focus blog. And we'll see you next time.